Good morning. Turn it up in your living room. Praise. Praise is rising. Your eyes are turning to you. We turn to you.
Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is here in heaven. Give us today everything we need, our food, our safety, your presence. For yours is the kingdom and the power, and yours is the glory forever. And we all said, amen. That word Hosanna clearly means in Scripture, as Jesus was riding in on a donkey, save us, save us, save us. And there's no donkey today, but we say the same thing. Help us, save us. Will you be God around us? And remember, on that day, what they thought was a coming military political king in Jesus. He was nothing of the sort. He was a king of a different kingdom, of an invisible kingdom, of a kingdom that saves and brings back dead, broken lives and makes them alive again. Amen? We want to welcome you this morning. Here we are again. And this isn't changing anytime soon. So we hope you've tuned in. We hope you're able to find a comfortable couch or stand in your living room. We understand this is a different way for you to worship. And I want to remind you this morning that you are in charge of your worship. In your way. And I want to encourage you to use this however is helpful to you this morning. If you're meeting as a family with your kids, if you're by yourself, if you're driving down I-70, here we are. And may his good news go out today. I love the the lyrics of this song. Because when we see you, When we look to you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, and you can have his presence whenever you want, all our fears are washed away. They're washed away. It's good news. Do you agree? We're going to continue this morning. He, He is our supply He's better than we know.
hard to answer that question, I know. But will you open your hands again in your heart and your mind? Will you open up your future and your family and your finances? Father, we open it up again. We let go of it. We loosen our grip. And we ask again that you be God. We trust you. And then tomorrow and later this afternoon, we take it all back in and we try to figure it out and we try to solve it. We try to fix it. We try to have our latest theory on it all. But Father, in this moment, again, we open our hands. We ask you to take it. We ask you to take the thing that is foremost in our mind. It might be your finances. It might be when the surplus check comes. It might be your grandma's health. It might be your marriage or you're completely exhausted with the kids around all the time. Father, we, we just loosen it up and we let it go. We ask that we would be able to trust you, that we'd be able to depend on you in this time. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. I worship His holy name. I sing like
Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Your king is coming to you. He is coming to you righteous and having 
salvation is he. He is coming humbled and mounted on a donkey, a colt, the fowl, the sorry, the foal of a donkey, not the fowl, the foal. It means a baby. And uh, we are encouraged that we have a, a Savior who comes to us, not, not in a military huge lightning bolt, but he comes to us humble and quiet. You've got to listen and you've got to watch. He's good at his utter core. thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're all good. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Oh, and I see many searching for Call. 
living in your week. We're all cooped up at home, not going out much, if any. And yet, he's still moving around us. We got to watch the snow fall unexpectedly. At first, I was like, oh, no, it's snowing again. It's cold again. But you know what? Then I was like, God, you know what? You're so good because you're freezing germs. That's a good thing. And you're keeping people inside because it's cold. So there's less chance of infection. Isn't he good at how he just has a way to move us gently? Just with one snowflake, he can do exactly what we need. I think that's pretty awesome to look at him in that way and just see how he is moving around us. The deer are still moving around. We're still able to watch them. I was able to watch my dogs dive into a snowbank and still enjoy life and have fun. And it reminded me in my home that there's still lots of things that I need to dive into. And he is one of those things. So digging in the word has been more than usual. My morning devotion has now turned into morning afternoon and before bed so I get to spend more time with them and I think it's just awesome how he completely reorchestrates our life even though we think it's out of control he's like I got this now we're sitting at home around our screens doing church together and isn't this how the early church started in our homes so we get to be pulled into his presence even more we don't have to worry about rushing home and doing chores and things. We can just soak him up. So this morning, I pray that you're really just soaking him up because he's our Savior. Today's Palm Sunday, and he came for us. And, and just like the people were waiting then for him to come and do something, that's the place we're in again. We're waiting for him to do something. And he's going to, and he is. And he's swirling around, and he's gathering hearts that have never committed to him and that have never known him. And they're seeking him out because there's nothing else they can do. So join me in praying for them, that those souls will be more brothers and sisters, that we get to welcome into the kingdom, and we get to see him usher us in as well.
And I pray, Lord, that you will just anoint Pastor Tim this morning. Thank you for his message that he's prepared and for what you've done and stirred in his heart. I pray that you will just anoint it as it goes out through the airwaves and through everyone's computers and televisions and phones that they're listening on. Lord, change us today from the inside out. Make us different and more like you. And I pray, Jesus, that this week will bring hope in a new way, in an unexpected way, and that you will be with us because you promised and we know that you hold your promises. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take this time now to just remind you to go online and to, uh, or, or you can drop off a check or snail mail it in. Um, if you need to for your offering, we want to make sure we continue to give that way. If you need the website, it's wlcchurch.com. So there's two C's next to each other. And then we're going to have a time with Miss McKenzie now. Good morning, church family. Happy Palm Sunday. It is so awesome to see you. And hello to my precious WLC kids. I hope you're having a great day as well. Um, I just want to encourage you kids while I'm sending out some little announcements uh, to go ahead. And if you made a palm branch, if you were able to look live at our Facebook page to see how to make that, go ahead and get that out. If you didn't have time to do that, by all means, go get a hand towel, a washcloth, um, a bandana, anything that you have, and just enjoy uh, this great video that we're going to be doing in just a minute. And that way you can bring Jesus in and sing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. With that being said, parents, families, I encourage you to get around today, talk to your kids about what that donkey uh, represented, and then just the representation of Jesus coming on in on that amazing day over 2,000 years ago. And also, we want pictures. We want pictures of you guys worshiping together at home, whether it's over coffee or breakfast, if it's on the couch, if you're still in your PJs, whether you're a family of one, two, three, five, or ten. Uh, we have big families out there too, but we want your pictures. So then that way we can put them together and make a great presentation of just being able to see all of our faces and give big, big hugs from, from afar for right now. So you can email those to the church address at woodlandlifecenter.com. Uh, you can send them to me and call the church, and I can definitely get you that information. But we definitely want our church family to come together and to be able to celebrate each other even more visually each Sunday. So kiddos, enjoy this uh, great video, and we'll see you again later. The story of Easter. The triumphal entry. This is Jesus. hey Who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love and healed people from their sickness. He did many miracles like calming storms and even raised people from the dead. At this time, the Jewish people were celebrating a festival called Passover that had been celebrated since the time of Moses, when God brought his people out of Egypt. So Jesus was going to Jerusalem to celebrate. Jesus and his disciples stopped in the town. You're coming? And Jesus told two of his disciples to go on ahead of them. Eh, okay. 
He told them to go into a village and that they would see a young donkey that no one had ever ridden. Rock! He told them to untie it and bring it to him. If anyone asks, what are you doing? He told them to just say, the Lord needs it and we'll return it soon. Okay, go ahead. So the disciples did what Jesus said and brought him the donkey. A long time ago, before Jesus was even born, God had said that the Savior, the King of Israel, would come to Israel in this way. And now Jesus was doing just as God had said. The news that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem swept through the city. Many heard about all the amazing things he had done, so they cut palm branches and ran to see him. The Pharisees and religious rulers realized that there was nothing they could do, for everyone was going to see Jesus. Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem, and the crowd spread their coats on the road ahead of him. His followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. The Pharisees were upset. Hey, Jesus! and they told Jesus to stop the people from saying things like that. But Jesus said, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into tears. So the people kept on singing, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered, asking, who is this? And the crowds replied, it's Jesus! And Jesus rode the donkey through the street of Jerusalem to the temple in a triumphal entry, just as God said he would many years before. So glad you joined us today for worship via streaming. It's great to have opportunity to share with you this morning. And you can tell by the videos we've been rolling today that we've been doing our best to try to add some variety to what we do here on Sunday morning with a little bit of uh, creativity. And I appreciate McKenzie finding that video. And then Lori, who... Um, put together the last video that you saw regarding Grave Robber. That will be my theme next Sunday. So that was really kind of a teaser to set up next Sunday's uh, worship time and next Sunday's service. So I hope you'll um, make plans to be here in your living room for Easter next Sunday morning. 
Um, if you have your Bible with you today, and I'm going to do something this next week to encourage you to have it with you when we meet together on these Sunday mornings online, but if you have it with you, you might turn with me to Matthew chapter 27, because that's where we read the story that uh, brings us to uh, the event that we're celebrating today, beginning with verse 1. As they came uh, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread spread their uh, cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of them, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Mike Pledger was my best friend when I was in high school. It was probably near the end of the summer between our junior and senior year. And I had uh, twisted Mike's arm into helping me help my church. The church was um, in the process of seeing if we couldn't break the all-time attendance record, which really didn't need to be that high because the all-time attendance record was probably about 150. But he was there to help me. And on that particular Sunday morning, it wasn't Palm Sunday, it was the middle of the summer, but we had been working in a neighborhood, a fairly impoverished neighborhood in Wichita, and we went out that morning in our cars, his car, my car, four or five other cars, and we picked up all of these children that we could get, hauling them back to church to help us break that all-time attendance record. When we arrived there that morning, we were reminded that the pastor had conned us into playing our trumpets that morning. Uh, I was never a great trumpet player, but I thought, you know, what can it hurt here? There's not that big of a crowd. And do you remember when we used to have opening exercises at church? That was where we would all gather before Sunday school, and we'd do a song or so, and there would be some announcements, and then everyone would go to Sunday school classes, and then after Sunday school we'd come back to church, you know, that whole routine. Well, this was opening exercises, and the church, well, it was well-filled and surprised me. So Michael and I got our music stand, and we set it up there in front of the pianist that would be accompanying us. And we had both of our books on that stand. I would be playing uh, probably the first part, and he'd be playing the second part. Maybe it was the other way around. But we started playing and we had played through the entire first verse when Michael suddenly stopped playing. And he reached up and picked up his book and flipped it over. He was playing the wrong song. 
we were playing two different songs. And we had played through the entire first verse before we ever, well, before he realized it. I never did realize it. I thought he was playing some weird harmony part. I didn't know what he was doing. Something like that happens on Palm Sunday with these stories of Jesus and his last week on earth before dying. Which way do you set the music? Do you set it with uh, an enthusiastic side up? Is it an introduction? Or, or are you playing, playing the wrong page? Is it really a conclusion? Is it the beginning of his royal reign? Or is it the end of his pathetic little story in life, thinking of terms of grandeur? The week resounds with music. It's the shouts of the crowds as he enters Jerusalem. It's the songs of the children around the temple. It's the psalms and the hymns that they will sing at the Last Supper. It's the ugly chants of death by crucifixion. It's the mournful dirges at the foot of the cross. Some of those are introductions into glory, and some seem to be conclusions of grief. And it reminds me of the story of Ezra. I think you perhaps would remember what was going on in the book of Ezra. The Jewish exiles are now returning from Babylon. It's this ragtag bunch of uh, leftover misfits, of refugees, if you will. And they get back to Jerusalem, and they're in danger, and there's poverty. And yet in spite of all of that, they begin to lay the foundation stones of the temple. They want to rebuild that temple in Jerusalem. And some of them there, the Scripture teaches us, laugh and they sing because this is an introduction to a returning sense of fame and fortune for their homeland of Israel. But others are crying and weeping because they see this as a poor conclusion because this doesn't even resemble what the temple had looked like before in all of its grandeur. To them, the dreams of all died. And the noise, it says, of their mixed singing was heard long distances away. And everybody wondered what was going on, what was happening. They couldn't distinguish the hosannas and the hallelujahs from the weeping and the wailing. And that's the problem for us in Passion Week isn't it? Especially this one. Because we find ourselves holed up in our houses under uh, duress, told that we can't leave or we're not supposed to. And yet somehow within our heart there is this song that continues to bubble up within us. That seems to be the whole issue with Holy Week. It starts out on such a great note and seems to end in such a dirt. Christmas is easier. Christmas is easier for me. And I was telling my wife this week how much easier it is for me to prepare for Christmas because we can grasp the music of Christmas. I understand a little baby being born. But we struggle to really grasp the themes of Passion Week, of crucifixion and death. And resurrection, oh, those are things, especially resurrection, that we look to with great hope and great joy. And yet it is hard for us to get our arms around what that really means. In a lot of ways, 
Palm Sunday seemed like a beginning. It was, some would say, Jesus' first steps toward greatness. The shouts of Hosanna, the songs of the children. It's, it's a parade. It's a Sunday morning parade in Jerusalem. And everybody in the city, it seems, turns out to watch it. If I were to film it, I would pan the faces in the crowd in slow motion, pausing just for a moment on certain faces. And probably I would pick out Mary, the mother of Jesus, as she stands there back in the crowd, kind of crushed among the people. And you would be able to see the shine in her eyes and a, and a tear on her cheek because a mother lives for this kind of a moment when her son is being acclaimed, when it seems as though everything is going so well. And no doubt from the crowd she would shout out to him, I'm so proud of you, Jesus. Son, I am so proud of you. And probably her mind raced back to 30 some years before when she and Joseph had brought their little baby up to that temple. They were young and they were poor and they were in love. But they were going to make it in life somehow. They knew they could. And now here was that infant child, the hope of parents. This, this is what they live for. If nothing else, they would raise this boy to be a great man. And now she saw him walking just like that. Can you see it? That image moves across the screen. And if I had the opportunity to create that video, I think I would play Aaron Copeland's powerful piece, Fanfare for the Common Man. I love that. That's what this is, isn't it? And if you don't think so, you watch the images in my little video change. Because you move from Mary's face and you begin to look at the disciples. There they are, front and center. As that little donkey makes its way through the crowd, they're not going to be pushed aside at all. They're not going to miss anything. This is the time they've been looking for. This is what they've been waiting for. You remember the arguments on the roads during those years wandering in Galilee. One of these days, Jesus is going to make it. He's going to find His kingdom. Not that many people join Him yet. It's a lonely affair to them in some ways, this, this road to glory. But they were with Him from the beginning, and someday they knew their devotion was going to pay off in a big way. John wants to be the ambassador to the United Nations. And James, he thinks he should be attorney general. And Judas, of course, he's pretty sure he's going to hold the title of secretary of the treasury. But who would have thought this? Who could have imagined it back in those earlier days, just three years prior? All of those hungry days when they were stumping for a candidate who really didn't even throw his hat in the ring. All of those sleepless nights campaigning for an election that no one had even called. All of those little backwater towns. All of those sermons. All of those miracles. All of those teachings. All of those synagogue question and answer town hall meetings. And now suddenly they realize that the polls are surging and the media is talking and everyone wants an interview with Peter and Matthew and Philip. I mean, this is the real thing. And they surround Jesus like a bodyguard. 
If they lived in our day, they would be speaking into the sleeve of their jacket where that little microphone would be because they're the inner circle. They are uh, the CIA. They are the secret service. And everyone better pay attention to them. Everyone better keep them in mind because this is turning out to be an incredible day. And the children, Miss McKenzie, they line up for this parade too. And there's a young boy. I would move to his face. There he is, standing at the side with some of his friends. Jesus first met him like two and a half years ago. It was a, it was a funeral procession, actually. They were on their way to the cemetery when Jesus and his company ran into them. And the pallbearers carried this same little boy that's standing there watching. They carried him on a platform that was hitched up on their shoulders. And his mother trailed behind and she was crying and, and wailing bitterly. No, no one was supposed to halt their parade. Don't you know that the cars with the lights on have the right of way? But Jesus didn't know that. So he just stood there right in front of them. And they had to stop. And then he took that little boy's cold hand and he spoke a few words. And suddenly the little guy sat up and he was alive. And Jesus lifted him down. And the pallbearers didn't know what to do. They even forgot to lower the platform from their shoulders. But Jesus hugs him in his arms and then he sets him on the ground and leads him to his mother. Not a bad parade, that one. And now every year at this particular time, this boy and his mother, they go up to Jerusalem for the Passover. They've got so much to be thankful for. And wouldn't you know it, this is the year that Jesus makes his grand entry. And there the boy stands. Among all those other children, he's waving and he's shouting and he's beaming. Boy, he's going to have something to talk about at show and tell the next day. And the kids around him, they won't be able to go home that day without hearing his story again and again and again. It's a great day. Years from now, People are going to sit around and they're going to tell the story of these hours over and over again and this parade that they witnessed. Yeah, oh yeah, I was there. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey while we were all there, my friends and me, we knew Him when He was just a young fella getting started way back when. And everybody will nod as though they'd been His best friend and His buddy because that's the way He made everybody feel. But Jesus had more going for him on this Palm Sunday than just popular recognition. There were stories that pushed this whole scenario along and, and there were prophecies. That's what we read about here in Matthew. Matthew is reciting the words of Zechariah. Matthew is thinking of those words as they're walking through and that little parade and he's following along behind the donkey. He's remembering words from Zechariah 500 years before. Your king comes to you riding on a donkey. Do you think a light bulb went off in Matthew's mind? Wow. 
this is exactly what Zechariah wrote. And the crowds line the streets and they sing, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They know the prophecies and they're ready to see those prophecies come to pass. In their mind, it's time for the Messiah. It's time for a return to the throne of David. It's time to get rid of these filthy Roman devils. Let's run them out and we'll find our place in the sun as the nation of Israel once again. There's power in great tradition. And so it was in Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday. The music of kingdom began to swell and everyone was caught up in it. But at the same time, the first notes of what was going to happen on Good Friday and that conclusion were beginning to swell. Someone said, humanity is fickle. They may dress for a morning coronation and never feel the need to change clothes to attend an execution in the afternoon. So Judas, he's already been making his plans. So now he's on the parade. He shouts with the crowd while he's scheming with the opposition. The rest of the twelve, when things get tough, they run and they leave Jesus alone. Even mighty Peter will curse out a fitting conclusion And around them all, in those next days, there's this bevy of small bit players that's working hard to slow the enthusiasm that they're witnessing on Palm Sunday. And this is the the conclusion. That Friday that's coming, that's the conclusion they've been waiting for. Jesus' surge in the polls has got to stop. And so the Sanhedrin plays its part. Any monologue that they can come up with, whether it's true or false, is fine with them. As long as it slows down Jesus on this this incredible surge. And Pilate, he'll take a lead role for at least a few moments. His wife sends him a message. But the growing enthusiasm that he had seen in the crowd, on that day when... He was walking into the city when Jesus was coming into the city. That enthusiasm that he witnessed there had changed. And there was a different kind of enthusiasm now. And it was more than he could fight against. Even when he offers the crowd a choice, do you want Jesus A or do you want Jesus B? Do you want Jesus Barabbas or do you want Jesus of Nazareth? Even then, he throws the question to the general population standing before him, and the momentum is too much for him to stop, and it sweeps them along. Give us Barabbas and crucify this Jesus. But Jesus himself had another view of all of this. Instead of seeing it as introduction or conclusion, beginning or end, he saw it as Transition. Transition. We have to decide which way we're going to set the music on the stand. Do the notes go up and lift us in enthusiastic cheering or do they go down and plant our feet with the crowds outside of Pilate's breakfast window? You see, everything Jesus thinks is out of place. 
Everything that he's dealing with is totally different than what anyone else is dealing with. On Palm Sunday, when the crowds cheered, he wept. And on Good Friday, as the mob shouts, he remains silent. Because for him, this was neither introduction nor conclusion. Instead, it's a transition. It's a moment when that same old story that they have heard all of their history about a coming king, it's a time when that story takes on a brand new significance. The story that Jesus tells is the message of paradox. No one truly lives without first dying to self. No one ever finds life without first losing it. No grain of wheat begins to grow without first being thrown into the earth to die. And the story that he tells is neither the beginning of the kingdom nor the ending of his own life. It's the story of transition. And nothing would ever be the same again. Maurice Boyd once preached a sermon that he called the wrong side of Easter. And this is what he said. It's hard for us to truly celebrate either Palm Sunday or Good Friday because we're Easter people, people of the resurrection. And the stories of this week come back to us like familiar memories, but we can't live them again. God has put us in a new time frame. Both Palm Sunday's introduction and Good Friday conclusion must eventually fade away to the new song of Easter. Neither shouts of the children in the streets of Jerusalem nor the cries of the crowds at Pilate's bench will satisfy our thirst for meaning in life. Maybe that's why Isaac Watts wrote that incredible classic hymn. Maybe that's what he had in mind. 1707. The song that he wrote was a song for a Passion Week communion service. And here's the interesting thing. It was the first church hymn in the English language that carried a personal message. It was the first church hymn to use the pronoun I. And it took the singer and the listener on a tour of the events of Passion Week. And then it did one more thing. It put, it put words of a new outlook in the mind of the singer and the hearer. It formed the melody of a new theme when Watts wrote, When I Survey." the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. My richest gain, I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Heavenly Father, 
in the name of your son Jesus, who rode on a donkey, died on a cross, walked out of a tomb, and ascended into heaven. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory. We ask, Father, that in the homes that are watching, have been watching this stream today, that something happens. Lord, would you just whisper? Would you express your presence in those homes, those places of wherever they may be? Would you just express your presence to them today? Father, we're reminded that it is true. Though our church may be empty this morning, it does resemble a tomb that you vacated a long time ago. And Father, that empty tomb changed the world. And I'm praying that something that is happening in the life of our churches today, while we're quarantined, will once again change our world. May we become like these disciples who in the book of Acts turned the world upside down. We ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. God bless. Splendor of